0: Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Hey, welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. Corey Stark. We are two friends having casual conversation about the things of eternity, and we welcome you into that conversation. How are you doing today, Corey? I'm well. How are you, Mike? Anything
1: new with you? Oh, same old, same old. I'm just excited. We're gonna to get to open up the
0: word again today. I am too. I'm I'm really excited about where we're where we're at because it's uh, it's talking about to me the most important thing, and that is where are we all headed. And so, uh, the last episode we kind of um, started out talking, and and where we're gonna to continue today, just the plan of salvation, and does the story. That common thread running through the scriptures, does that uh, you know what is that? And we want to make sure that nothing that we've learned, nothing uh, that all of the scriptures you know coincide together. And and we said last time, I think some of the teaching that we've had over the years, at least where I've grown up, is. I never could quite reconcile that to what the scriptures say, and so we're just looking at that, and we're going to continue on. We had such a great uh, episode last time, Corey. We ended up talking about what we call Nephi psalm and um, just some really enlightening things uh, I think is great for people that are going through trials and uh, temptations and just uh, heartaches in life, and uh, we do never know where we're going to end up, do we, when we start out talking. <clears throat> we don't rehearse. <clears throat> excuse me. We don't rehearse these. Uh, we don't have anything written out. I other keep than, asking you for a script, and I've got yeah. to get one. <laughs> and so we uh, we don't exactly know. And I think last episode just took off in a direction that I believe still ties in. But it was it was wonderful. And so. What it all comes down to is just two of us talking about things of eternity, like we say, and so mm-hmm. uh, we invite people into that conversation. Here here we go today. We're going to start. We did say we'd start back in 2 Nephi 6, and let's look at this plan of salvation, what that story is, and and uh, see what it says. Corey, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so just to sum up, we started in 2 Nephi 6, uh, verse 8, 9, and 10, talking about you know, this great and eternal sacrifice, and the fact that our sin had an eternal, infinite price, and it only could be paid by by one thing, and that was the one who was infinite and eternal himself. And so he came into this world to pay a price that we couldn't pay. Otherwise, we would have remained endlessly apart from God. And And that took us to around verse 20. Uh, and and I, I noticed this just glancing at my scriptures just now. If you look at Verse nineteen, the the passion comes out of, of Nephi writing this because he says, "Oh, the wisdom of God, His mercy and His grace." And then I notice verse twenty four, "Oh, how great the goodness of our God." And and then I notice in verse thirty one, "Oh, how great the plan of our God." You know, he he's mm-hmm. writing these things about His mercy and the goodness and His plan. And and this is it's just a beautiful passage because I mean. You know he has to exclaim while he's writing it, how cool this is! But it's condensed and it's summarized here, and it's the truth, and it's it's the message that the world needs to hear. Um That leads me to believe that there's some good news coming up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's and and I love how plain and simple it is, and and you know we need to be careful that we don't ever look at the plain truths of the scripture and say well, yeah, but, you know, there's this other thing. And it's like, but maybe it's not, you know? And, and what we've talked about previously in the scriptures, uh, the Book of Mormon especially, is how God presents so much through the Book of Mormon writers in parallels. You know, if you flip the coin, unless it lands in a crack, which almost never would happen, mm-hmm. it's going to land on the heads or the tail. One One flip gives two options only. And so almost all these scriptures have been presented this way to us because God wants to make it as simple as possible for our understanding. So so taking that, um, so in verse 20, this is Second Nephi chapter 6, verse 20, in the earliest version of the Book of Mormon, "...for behold, if the flesh should rise no more, our spirits must become subject to that angel which fell from the presence of the eternal God." and then it, it says and we would become devils angels to a devil to be shut out from the presence of god remain with the father of lies and misery like unto himself and if you listen to our last recording i, th- I think at this point you know we took the liberty of saying that people who try to argue how could a just loving god as you christians try to say he is uh, you know be that way if he's going to send people to hell and and the point is He's not trying to send anyone from hell. He's trying to save us from hell exactly. because hell is the result of living eternally with sin on our soul. And if there's no way that the sin gets removed, our existence becomes as a lake of fire and brimstone. That's what the scriptures end up teaching. So... It's not that God wants us or is deciding because he has this fickle nature about himself to send some to hell and to save others no he wants us anyone who will to be with him again because he knows how bad it is and I
0: know we discussed that some previously so well here, <clears throat> here it goes in six I mean he's talking about eternal life and what happens to us let's let's see what the story says
1: yeah so um so Satan beguiled our first parents verse twenty two says uh you know we would become just like this one who beguiled, beguiled Adam and Eve, tricked them, transformed himself into an angel of light, and now forever now is stirring up the hearts of the children of men to do secret works of darkness. But here's the next. Oh, how great. Verse 24, oh, how great the goodness of our God who prepared a way for our escape from the grasp of this
0: awful monster. What a word, huh? that Awful monster. I know. I mean, Does it get more descript than that? It's things of science fiction, and here it is in the scriptures, the word monster, an yeah. awful monster.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and then he defines it. The monster I'm talking about is death and hell. Now, this just jumped out at me recently, and I, I there's some just gems of, of truth and understanding contained in these next few words. But I, I was always confused a little bit in Revelation where it says, hey, in death... Death was overcome, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. The mm-hmm. last enemy was called death. And I always thought, how is death? You know, death is a thing that happens, but how is that an enemy? Well, well, here, notice how, th- again, the the wisdom of these writers, what they share with us is just, it can't be found anywhere else. He, he says that death and hell, they, they become defined. He says, that monster, death and hell, and he says, which I call the death of the body, And also the death of the spirit. So those two words, death and hell, are talking about the temporal and the spiritual. Now notice 26. Because of the way of the deliverance of our God, the Holy One of Israel, this death of which I have spoken, which is the temporal, shall deliver up its dead, which death is the grave. So three words are being tied in here. So he's talking about grave, temporal death, and just the word death in general it all means the dying of our physical body so when it says death is the last enemy he's saying hey the the dying of our physical body is is done that was that was one of the enemies so to speak if you will of sin or because the consequence of sin rather because now death came upon all mankind meaning the temporal death meaning these bodies would die so so the definition now of temporal death is just called the grave and here it is right here i'm going to read the whole verse verse 26 because of the way of the deliverance of our god the holy one of israel this death of which i have spoken which is the temporal shall deliver up its dead which death is the grave and this death of which i have spoken which is the spiritual death shall deliver up its dead which spiritual death is hell so we have the grave and hell so gra- gra- grave grave being the temporal representing our body hell being the spiritual separation and I, and I never understood that before so it's talking about death and hell or the dead and or the grave you know when when the scriptures later talk about oh well, they slept in the grave it didn't mean that you were sleeping in the grave it, it meant that you're your spirit was separated from the body. You didn't have a physical body to live in. Gotcha. Right?
0: That's, that is an, that's an important thing for us to keep in mind. Right, right.
1: Because that in and of itself has taken certain uh, groups of Christianity right. down a lot of paths of of doctrinal error, you know, because some I, uh, a friend of mine who's a, I love him, he's a, he's a pastor of an evangelical church. He's actually a family member distantly, you know, Kind of came to the conclusion that because the scriptures say, "Well, we would sleep in the grave," he used the word stasis, and he said, "Well, I believe that when we die, we're he he like to mean like in a coma or something." That that's kind of what the conclusion he had was because of the fact that it says, "Well, you know, we sleep in the grave." Well, that's not what it means. The the grave death. Is talking about the physical body dying. The hell is talking about this spiritual separation from God. So verse 26 and 27 give us some insight to help us define other scripture in the Bible. Okay. So verse 28, wherefore death and hell must deliver up its dead. So here we have it right here. Death delivering up its dead, meaning that, hey, we're not captive to the fact that we have a temporal body that dies. And hell must deliver up its dead, meaning we're not uh the the re- the redemption of Christ brings all mankind back into the presence of God. So hell must deliver up its dead. In other words, the the people who have been separated from God and, and all of us who have been separated from a body, say we, we're all dead now at this point in in a spiritual sense and physical, that that is all overcome, that none of that is a barrier anymore. And, and so what happens Now, is is described what's uh, next here. Wherefore, death and hell must deliver up its dead. Hell must deliver up its captive spirits. And the grave must deliver up its captive bodies. Simply meaning that there's no more temporal death. There's no more spiritual death. And the bodies and spirits of men will be restored one to the other. And it is by the power of the resurrection of the Holy One of Israel. Now, I know we just read a lot right there, but but there's something really important to see here. What he's describing is that all humanity, the spirits of people and the bodies of people are going to be reunited, but the body part becomes immortal. The spirit is going to be the same spirit at that point in time. And this is the difference, and this is why it's so important that we understand, as you mentioned before, either our heart is changed or it is not, because if our heart is changed, the sin is washed away. If our heart isn't changed, the sin remains. But the bottom line is we've all got an immortal body, and that's how come the
0: grave is overcome. (laughs) And and this becomes
1: the difference now of what eternity is.
0: So the immortal body, in other words, you can't, your physical body will not go down into the ground again. It will not be separated from your spirit again. Yeah. Or we would call it the soul. I believe is defined. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's a, that's a great way to say it. Say it, Mike, because this is what it's getting at. Is like hell was the separation of the spirits from God. The grave was the separation of a spirit from a body. Well, both of those are behind now, and now you've got immortal body with an immortal soul again,
0: but ah uh, immortal body now is connected to the Im- spirit yeah so it's all immortal so it's all immortal
1: and this is the point in time where god is saying this this takes us right back to adam and eve you know he and he mentions them in in verse 21 22 it's why it's important we understand the ramifications of the story in the garden when they partook of that first tree the fruit thereof being the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil well, it said they became like God, You know, they knew good and evil, and they sinned, they transgressed. Well, when he kicks them out of the garden, it wasn't in anger, it was in his mercy, because if they had come back, what was the other tree there? It was called the tree of life, e- of life eternal life. If they had sin on their soul when they partook of that tree, they would have lived forever with no room for repentance, and then they would have eternally been away from God. There's no chance when you have an immortal body and immortal soul according to God's laws, the sins, you know, you can't come back into God's presence. And that's a forever thing. So he's mm-hmm. trying to separate us from that happening by giving us this chance to repent now in this life. And so, so he's saying now this resurrection happens, and it's because of the Holy One of Israel. This gets back to the earlier verses that said, Hey, if there hadn't been an infinite atonement. In verse fifteen and sixteen, this corruption could not put on incorruption, and this first judgment, this first separation would have remained endlessly. That's all been done away because of Jesus Christ. All man comes back into God's presence. Now, whether we were good or not, and that's that's for what's about to happen next. But so that's the that's the first main thing that got unlocked, if you will, or undone by Jesus dying on the cross, was allowing the bodies and the and the spirits to come back together mortally, or otherwise it would have been it. So the, the third one, oh, the great plan of our God. Here we are, at verse 31. The great plan of our God, for on the one hand, the paradise of God must deliver up the spirits of the righteous. Remember Jesus on the cross saying to the one on his right hand, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the paradise they're talking about. People who acknowledged Christ and people who didn't. I mean, there's a right hand and a left hand. Um, and so the thieves the thieves were both guilty of the same crime, kind of like all humanity is guilty of unworthiness. The difference is which one's going to acknowledge God and which one won't, right? And so to that one, he spends his time where his body is separated from his spirit in this paradise. And so verse 31, on one hand, here's a parallel, the paradise of God must deliver up the spirits of the righteous and the grave must deliver up the bodies of the righteous. So so there are good spirits in heaven, and they come back. The grave, the temporal death, that is overcome, and the bodies and the spirits are reunited immor- immortally. Okay. The spirit and the body restored to itself again, and all men become incorruptible and immortal. Mm-hmm. and. hmm they Same are,
0: spirit, different
1: body. Right. They are living souls having a perfect knowledge like unto us in the flesh, save it be that our knowledge shall be perfect. So here's another key that comes up here is that in this state now, we become perfect in our understanding, perfect in our memory, but that's a two-way street because we're, what's going to be described next, verse 34, we shall have a perfect knowledge of all um, of our save it be that our knowledge shall be perfect. That's verse 33. Wherefore, we shall have a perfect knowledge of all our guilt, uncleanness, nakedness, and the righteous shall have a perfect knowledge. I'm sorry, that was describing the people who were imperfect. They would have a perfect knowledge of their guilt and uncleanness and nakedness. And verse 35, and the righteous shall have a perfect knowledge of their enjoyment and their righteousness being clothed with purity, even with the robe of righteousness. And so this, this condition he's describing is that the people who were sinful were going to perfectly remember their guilt and uncleanness. There's no hiding. There's no forgetting it. That's the problem with sin locked in an immortal body. In the, for the righteous, they have a perfect knowledge of their enjoyment and their happiness, and they don't have a knowledge of the sin. The, the guilt is either washed away or it becomes in full view forever. And the pain is either gone or it's the only thing we can feel. And so the pain of our sin, that's what Jesus was trying to save us from experiencing by coming down to this earth in the first place, because he knew how bad it was going to be. He knew how bad it it could be. And the Doctrine and Covenants later, he said, hey, it was so bad it caused me to tremble at every pore, you know, God the Creator, so that you wouldn't have to. And so here's, here's where it goes then. Verse 36, and it shall come to pass that when all men shall have passed from this first death unto life, insomuch as they have become immortal. So everyone's going to become immortal. Mm -hmm. They must appear before the judgment seat of the Holy One of Israel, and then cometh the judgment, and they must be judged according to the holy judgment of God. And as assuredly as the Lord liveth, for the Lord God hath spoken it, and his word is eternal, and it can't pass away. They which are righteous shall be righteous still. Now, here's here's another parallel. They who are righteous are righteous still. They who are filthy shall be filthy still. Wherefore, they which are filthy are the devil and his angels, and they shall go away into everlasting fire prepared for them. Now, remember what we said earlier in verse 21. I think this was emphasized in the previous podcast. It's, it's, it's kind of something we don't want to consider, but verse twenty-one says, Hey, if if we aren't returned to the presence of God, we become devils to angels to the devil. That's what verse 21 says. We become devils, angels to a devil, to be shut out from the presence of God, to remain with the father of lies in misery like unto himself. So notice this, jumping back to verse 39, so the righteous are the righteous still the filthy are the filthy still oh and i found a hebrew definition of the word filthy uh huh you know what that one was Mm-mm. <laughs> one of the definitions of filthy in hebrew was covered with excrement okay i don't wow. i don't want to go there in any uh, more context right now but it's 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 that bad so the filthiness um, so nevertheless i digress Verse 39, wherefore they which are filthy are the devil and his angels. They shall go away into the everlasting fire prepared for them, and their torment is a lake of fire and brimstone whose flames ascend forever and ever and hath no end. Now, one of the things that we we need to see is that these are the people— and this is where section 76 helps define those who knew God's power and didn't want anything to do with mm-hmm. it. They, they had the opportunity, they, they chose. This is that same group of people. But now, verse 41, one more time. Oh, the greatness and the justice of our God. He executes his words. They've gone forth out of his mouth, and his law must be fulfilled. But behold, here's the other side of this. The righteous, the saints of the Holy One of Israel, they which believed in the Holy One of Israel endured the crosses of the world, and despised the shame of it. They shall inherit the kingdom of God, which was prepared for them from the foundation of the world, and their joy shall be full forever. So in these verses from 39 to 42, we're either with the devil in everlasting fire or we're with God in his kingdom. And there's no other verses. That's it.
0: Yeah, and so we have to decide... not, not, not right now, not here now, but let's let's just think about this. The kingdom of God, what does that look like? and is there a part of a kingdom of God where God the Father is? and um, And then there's part of the kingdom of God where God the Son is or Jesus is. and then is there a part of the kingdom of God where only angels dwell? because that's what we've been taught, that that's all part of the, well, let's just say this, that's not the lake of fire. And so if you're not in the lake of fire, you're in one of these other places. And so, but I when I read the Book of Mormon here, I see just two, well, it's it's how you define that kingdom of God, then, is your only choice, because there's only two places mentioned right here, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, one thing, and this is probably a good place to include it, when we... um talked about the tree of life and Nephi's vision, and he sees, hey, there's either this tree of life, and there's one tree, there weren't many trees, mm-hmm. there was one, or he ended up in this great and spacious building, and there was this gulf, and that was represented the, the evil works of men. Well, in the end, this is how, the, that's the third chapter of 1 Nephi in the RLDS version of the Book of Mormon. In the fourth chapter, he's explaining to the brothers what the tree meant and what the rod of iron meant and what the river of water meant but when he concludes this and we have to realize in context he's describing the whole vision to his brothers and explaining it and he says and this is in the end of 1 Nephi chapter 4 verse 50 uh, 54 he says wherefore you know these people who die in their wickedness they're going to stand before God to be judged in their works if their works were f- filthiness they're going to be filthy And he says, but if so, uh, verse 56, and if they be filthy, it must needs be that they cannot dwell in the kingdom of God. If so, the kingdom of God must be filthy also. For behold, I say unto you that the kingdom of God is not filthy, and there cannot any unclean thing enter the kingdom of God. So here, here it is right here is that God has to remove the sin from us, otherwise we can't be with him. And and his whole point is he says, this is my work and my glory to bring to pass your immortality. I can remove the sin if you follow the conditions to come to me with a broken heart and contrite spirit. But the point is, you can't come to me if this there's is, sin.
0: This is important stuff. So and I'm not saying that like at this point in time we don't have to make any hard decisions. I'm just presenting evidence. And this is let's just see how much evidence is there. Here we've just cleared so you know, we've talked about two groups. You're either with the devil and his angels, or you're in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, no unclean thing can dwell there. Right. So there, you have to be clean. So if you're clean you, sh- I was assuming, should be able to be in the presence of the Father.
1: That's the whole point because he says our righteousness was filthy rags. It wasn't anything mm-hmm. that we did to make us more righteous. It was the fact that we came to him under the conditions that he said that there's only one way, that's through Jesus Christ, through broken heart contrite mm-hmm. spirit. And and then if so, I I wash it away. You endure to the end. Okay, that's yeah. part of it. You endure to the end. But he said... Otherwise, and this is how he concludes it in verse 59. So he said, 58 No unclean thing can be in God's kingdom. Wherefore, for this reason, there must needs be a place of filthiness prepared for that which is filthy. So now he's saying, Here's the catch all. If your sins aren't washed away, you go to the place where you can have your sin. You want your sin, this is where you go. Verse 60, there is a place prepared, yea that awful hell of which I have spoken, and the devil is the preparator of it. You know, that's that's how it reads in the uh, restored covenant version. Wherefore, and this is this is the punchline, this is the capstone of everything Nephi is described through his vision, through the tree, through the great and spacious building, through everything. Wherefore, the final state of the souls of men, and I'm going to state the scripture just to make sure everyone has this, First Nephi chapter four, verse sixty one. First Nephi four sixty one. Wherefore the final state of the souls of men is to dwell in the kingdom of God or to be cast out because of the justice which I have spoken. I mean,
0: end of sentence. I it was so excited, Corey, when I read this stuff. You, you know what you pointed out here, right, is uh, Nephi's writing, and, and how many times he, he was saying, um, oh, how great the goodness, oh, how great the plan, oh, the wisdom. It doesn't sound like he was saying, man, most of us are going to be the yeah, devil and his yeah. angels. He's like saying, this is good news. So I'm assuming that he's seeing uh, most people being made clean somehow, being you know, and that there's a few, the devil and his angels, That um, are not clean, but it, but it's. He seems quite joyful in the fact that no unclean thing can be in the kingdom. That means we're going to be made righteous. We're going to be made clean. But the, but the thing, and this brings us
1: back to Nephi's psalm is that, but he realizes that God prepared a plan and it's going to work. That the (laughs) condescension of God. This is the happiest thing. No matter what my enemies are trying to do to me, this is still such a better thing to dwell on in my mind than the anger of my sin. Look
0: at, look at. I don't want to get ahead of us, but it's like the plan that I was taught growing up robs me of this joy. Yeah, yeah. How can you have joy thinking,
1: hey, well, you know, I might make it, but I probably won't. I mean, none of us in the church ever growing up were ever allowed to say, are you saved? And, and the answer was yes, because it was always, well, I don't know. I hope I am. You know, Or, or to what? To what place? Or yeah, what's it going to look like? Right. And it's kind of like, and here we're the ones saying, hey, we've got the corner on the gospel. We're the ambassadors of Christ, the truth of Christ in the world now in this latter day. But we can't tell you really about salvation because we really don't know. You know, it's like, what a, what a, this is misses the mark, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, we're, I think we're just, this is good. I think we just go uh, slowly and. Methodically through the scriptures and continue to point out what they say. They speak for themselves. You they, know that's the awesome thing is these this they speak for themselves. And the Book of Mormon is so plain. The language is so plain. Uh, Ed said that the other day in his when he was here sharing his testimony over and over at being a convert to the church. You know he said the Book of Mormon is just plain. It's just plain and it speaks to me in a the, plain way. And that was his testimony.
1: You know what's interesting too
0: is because in the prophecies to
1: come. You know what, the words of the Nephites, it said uh, that they would, it was the simpleness, the simpleness of their words that were going to go forth in the last days. And I, I've got the scripture somewhere. I'm not going to turn to it right now because I know we'll just go fine. farther down another path. But the, what you just said is that, you know, it, it's a plain, beautiful message. And, and so be it, strict in the plain, the plain road. road. Right, exactly. So, the final state is to dwell in God's kingdom or to be cast out. And the place prepared for those who remain filthy is this hell, which he's spoken of. So notice how this finally ends, though. And these are the last three verses of 1 Nephi chapter 4, starting at verse 62. Wherefore, the wicked are separated from the righteous, and also from that tree of life whose fruit is most precious and most desirable above all other fruits. Now tie that back in. If the wicked are separated from the righteous, well, they're the ones who remain filthy. Well, the place where you don't have filth was at the tree, right? When you come to the tree, and there was only one tree. And so if you came to the tree, your your filthiness of your sin was removed. And what got you to that tree? Following that rod of iron, right? Following the commandments of God. And and Helaman shares this, and I'll probably have to flip ahead and grab this one because because I I love this. I think it's in um it's going off the top of my head. Uh, it's Hill in chapter 2, where I believe he states that uh, we'll see that this word of God will lead us to, to... The man of Christ. Yeah, the man of Christ. That's the scripture. It's going to lead the man of Christ to this kingdom of God where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all these people are. I'll find the reference here in a second. But this um, the the point is that if we follow... God's Word, the end is assured, just like it was for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Mike Barrett, and Corey Stark, and anyone else who's listening, is that we have the promise of the same end. And so that's that's this unconditional loving God who has already told us that there is one place, and it's the place where your filthiness
0: is removed, that this word is going to lead you to. Yes, yeah, it's 26, Helaman two twenty six. 26. Helaman, yeah, go ahead and read that for us, Mike. Yeah, well, yeah, we have to go. It's so hard not to go because this is such great stuff here, but it says we see the Lord is, oh, I'm seeing more and more of the word mercy all throughout, even, you know, we talked about in Alma, the Lord is merciful unto all who will in the sincerity of their hearts call upon his holy name. And here's a process. I love processes where it actually says, this is what I can do, Corey. This yeah. is what I can yeah. do tomorrow. With sincerity and heart, call upon his holy name. We see the gate of heaven is open unto all, even to those who will believe on the name of Jesus Christ, which is the Son of God. Now, there's one of those times where you look at that word believe, and you can't just say that we've we've discussed this. You can't just say that's a mental thought. I don't just say he exists. Believe means that I act and I follow or as you say, I'm determined to do what he says despite any opposition that comes my way. Um, believe on the name of Jesus Christ, which is the Son of God. We see whosoever will lay hold upon the word of God, and I think that's that same thing as belief, right? right. Action, which is quick and powerful, which shall divide asunder all the cunning and the snares of the wiles of the devil and lead the man of Christ in a straight and narrow course across the everlasting gulf of misery, which is prepared to engulf the wicked. And what a great, it, uh, it, what it a captures great, catches everything. What a great uh, artistic. Listen to this phrase: and land their souls, <laughs> yea, their <laughs> immortal souls, at the right hand of God in the kingdom of heaven. And we know that that soul we just read means the um, the immortal flesh connected to the spirit, right. no, no longer can be can be killed, at the right hand of God in the kingdom of heaven to sit down. Now here it is, each one of us, where I grew up thinking, oh, I'm never going to be with the, to sit down with who? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the holy fathers. So they're, they're saying the best of the best. The to manner. go no more
1: out. And notice how you just included it. It says the kingdom of heaven. That's been an argument people have thrown out, saying, "Well, it's like the kingdom of heaven. You know, you've got the king's castle, and then you've got where the servants live, mm-hmm. and then the serfs." And it's like, no, he's saying the kingdom of heaven is where
0: these people who are the four, the patriarchs, the forefathers. You know? Yeah, or the man, or many mansions I have for the different people. Which, by the That's way, not- I finally found that article. Which uh, you know they would build. Jesus was using the language of the day when he says many mansions, many rooms that they would build on. Extended families would come and dwell in the same house, and they would just build on another room, mm-hmm. and then another room, and then you know you had all of this uh, conglomeration of this added-on house where they would live. You know, it didn't mean that um, separate neighborhoods. Separate, we're going to build yeah. you a shack over there behind you know <laughs> Benny's farm, where because no one likes Benny, and I don't have to look at you. <laughs> but no, you were it was it was physically built onto the same. It was like you were included in the family and
1: this was your right. inheritance. This was it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And and that's the picture here is that, you know, my, it's beautiful. Uh, like you said, the just the
0: artistic description of this, mm-hmm. but it leaves no room for doubt. No. And so when we're talking about the story that the, the thread or the story that weaves in and out of all of scripture, the book of Mormon is so plain that this story has to give us joy here and then if if we look at something that comes later and it doesn't add up to the plain and simple and precious uh, truth or path that we've already seen we either have to say that it's not um it's, it's not part of the gig or that it's or, or we, we don't interpreted it. exactly and, so, that,
1: and that's where I that's where I lean it's like you know all scripture should be able to you know it, it you should be able to reconcile it all. And if we if we can't, then our problem is probably us and that's our understanding. And and I think we're gonna see that too. Um so this well keep yeah, keep this passage, yeah, he he, he brings this back then. So we we turn back to first Nephi four to see the fact that he says, Hey, the final state is your is you're with God, or mm-hmm. you're the place where the filthy are. And so this is exactly what we're seeing in 2 Nephi 6. The righteous are going to be the righteous still, the filthy are going to be the filthy still. This is verse 38-39. And so the greatness of our God, He executes His words. And so now those people who are with God are in the kingdom of God. And and I need to point out, you notice verse 42 says, They shall inherit the kingdom of God. But that verse you just read from Helaman two says the kingdom of heaven. Well, that's that's where some people say, well, the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of heaven. No, they're they're one. It's it's one word that all the writers of scripture won't take time to do it. But
0: all the writers in the Book of Mormon interchange that to be the place where God is. So, Corey, I, earlier on I said let's let's make a, and I'm going to make just a little list here to, that I can since people are listening and not they're not hearing from the scripture. So we wanted to number one, we wanted to make sure that we understood the word. Uh, redemption or redeemed and what that meant. Well, yeah, so there's two
1: two aspects of it. Well,
0: I'm just adding this to our list. Oh, good. We we don't have to do that now, but let's just keep in mind redemption is important. The word salvation or being saved is important. The words kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven and kingdom of heaven uh, and the only reason I'm doing this, lest we try to uh, weasel our way into something that just doesn't belong, or, or try to make something fit that doesn't fit. Right. So let's 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 say kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven. It looks like are being used interchangeably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, kind of like a prison house and such. So we have to be careful. So let's just. I'm just making a note, and we'll we'll remind our, ourselves from time to time that that like you just did that these are important. Um, Important uh, things to point out and, and be aware of. So
1: yeah, yeah, that's really, really good because sometimes we we get caught up in definitions and and when, like you pointed out, it comes back to plainness. You know, God's yeah. not trying to hide this on a technicality. You know, get and, us on technicality.
0: Oh, I was talking about the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God. You know, it's like
1: he, He's not trying to do that.
0: Another one, by the way, we're going to just add here is when people, uh, you know, back in the eighteen hundreds or, or even now, when people talk about heaven and hell, Corey we're going to say that hell in the general sense, what we call hell is the lake of fire. Okay. The lake of fire. It's not, um, cause we understand it to be a different way, but let's just, for the sake of, of, um, getting everybody on the same page, there is a place where it says, uh, hell, where was I, I just read it. it was in here. It was uh, the lake of fire. Anyway, is the place that people think of where it's that eternal separation right, from right, God. So, yeah. So we're going to put the...
1: hell and lake of fire, they kind of take on two different meanings. I think lake of fire is generally describing, just to take that one for a second, that final judgment because of the fact that your immortal body and your immortal soul with sin can't escape the pain of the sin anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's where it says, hey, your torment will be as a lake of fire. It's because that's what happens. God's trying to keep us from getting to that point where you've got an eternal body and an eternal soul. And so... Hell, hell, uh, or the prison house, takes on a a definition, though, that we can understand to be for this time, even now, before the final judgment, the second death, which is the final separation, which is in a day to come, after the millennium, we believe. So the point of bringing that up, hell and the prison house, is this is where we're actually coming to in Scripture is that when people die, there's a judgment that happens. I mean, you you get judged whether you get to spend the rest of this time until your body and spirit are joined together in either paradise or not with God. And I don't know what right. degrees that place is, but we know that in the inspired version of the Book of Mormon, it says, "Hey, Jesus even pleads the cause of the people in hell. He he advocates their mm-hmm. cause. I mean, and so because of the fact that." we we get glimpses of this that at some point in time people come from hell as first peter 4 says because they were judged according to men in the flesh those spirits in the prison house they get a chance to hear the word now it's hard and there's a reason it's called hell but but they somehow are apparently able to experience the uh the change of heart uh, at some point in time although it might be a long time
0: before they get to well, uh, get the benefit of that to keep Uh, Keep going through the section or Second Nephi six. uh, Keep leading us through this, Corey, because this is this is very plain. Yeah,
1: it's very very plain. And all I want to do is say that there's a there's a place right now where the spirits of God are separated, spirits of man are separated from God, and that's called hell. There's a paradise where the spirits of man get to be in the presence of God and His kingdom, and that's called this paradise, right?
0: And this is before what we the phrase. The grave gives up the body. This is before being reunited body-spirit and becoming incorruptible. Right. There is a place of existence. You're not just uh, laying in the ground waiting for a resurrection. Exactly. Yeah. All
1: all spirits are conscious, if you will. Okay. Right? So, um, so, but... Again, the great plan of this merciful one. Now we get it again in verse forty-three. This, and, and we're going to see it again in verse forty-four.
0: There's like five times where he exclaims how great this plan is. This is not a man that is that is watching most of humanity burn in hell. No. this is a man that sees, I think, continual um, hope, contin- yeah, continual. Yeah. Uh, oh wow, this plan is just getting better and better. I mean, yeah. You know. And and
1: he, and, he, and and at the same time, it's probably balanced with the fact that he's seen how bad it is and he realizes, oh my gosh, we were all going to be cast off forever. Okay, and like there's a plan. That oh pers- my gosh. <laughs> you know, God did this. He's, and he's going to, he's going to win at this.
0: You know, I like that perspective. He was, he was seeing um, both sides. You know, you said earlier, we don't understand what we need saving from. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we, we think we need saving and, and you know, I look at my life and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of a jerk sometimes. And you know, I offend my brother or whatever. And then, uh, and I think, oh, I need saving from that, but I have no clue who who I really am compared to holiness. Right, and we right. have no idea. Um, just like we say, well, you need a savior. You have no idea how bad you need a savior. Exactly. But but that is revealed to you over time. Right, and right. and that's part of the joy. I believe is is as we read earlier that joy of. Um, being righteous, being pure, being clean—there's a there's a joy that comes from that. Um, other than I just I don't know how else to explain. It. You know, Corey, I, just a little statement on that. I, there was a time where I, I worked for uh, this mason masonry company when I first moved to uh, Missouri uh, mm-hmm. after our mission, and um, I remember one day it's in the, the hot July right in the middle of Missouri heat and you're out there and you're mixing cement and you're, you're taking these bags of of concrete powder and putting them in the mixer and every time you do that you see this dust cloud goes up <laughs> oh, right no. and you're you're already soaked from head to toe oh, uh, yeah. from, from sweat and so this dust cloud goes up there and it just sticks to your body and you have all of these little tiny cement balls that form on every <laughs> little hair of your arm right and I, I remember uh uh, this old Oldsmobile Calais I had, and I would put this sheet down because I was so filthy when I would get in my car at the end of the day, and the whole car was just covered with cement powder on the inside, and you didn't want to touch anything. And I would drive home, and I remember getting in the shower, and and washing off, and 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 I. Re- Remember very vividly coming out and getting dressed and laying on my bed and just relishing in the fact that I was clean mm. because I felt so filthy. You mm. said the the Hebrew word for filthy. Well, I wasn't yep. covered in that, but I was I was just so filthy, and to just sit there and relish in the fact you were clean. Mm. I don't know if that gives anybody even just a little glimpse but there's going to come a point where I think we just relish in the fact that we are spiritually uh, clean on the inside and yeah. what a great joy that's going to be. Yeah,
1: and you know, you you pointed out something too Mike about how you know, when when we're kind of close to the Lord and we have those times where it's like, you know, we know what it feels like to be close to him and then we know what it feels like to be away from him and when we can discern the difference it's like no, we we really long for that closeness, and sometimes we've been a, away a long time, and it, we sort of forget what it's like. But it's but it's one of those things where it's it's that times a million. Uh, your your description of the cement balls on your arm and being clean is is really good. But so <clears throat> so we we come back to someone who gets it. They they see, you know, again, verse forty one, the greatness of our God, and verse forty three. Now, the greatness and the mercy of our God, the Holy One of Israel. He he delivers his saints from that awful monster. This is the second time it's described the same way. Death and hell and the devil and that lake of fire and brimstone, which is endless torment. And so there's a reason he uses that. He's saying, hey, God's going to deliver us. God is going to deliver us. God has a plan to deliver us. Otherwise, death and hell and that monster, the devil, mm-hmm. that is our end, right? The and so, so it's it's beautiful imagery. I mean, it's striking. It's vivid. But the point is... It's, it's either one or the other. It's either God brings you back or you're separated from him. And and the message has never been anything other than that. Now, you mentioned the word redemption, and it's worth touching on it right now. I think sure. we'll find the scriptures that define it more clearly if we go back to like Alma 19. But redemption takes on kind of two, two words, two meanings rather. One is there's this idea of redemption being the... Dis- Description of I'm brought back into God's presence for eternity. That's kind of what everyone thinks when they say, hey, I'm, I'm redeemed or I'm going to be redeemed. Well, that's true. But the, the second part of it is just this aspect of coming back to stand before God for this judgment because Scripture through the Book of Mormon teaches that that wouldn't have been possible unless Jesus had died on the cross. This touches back on verse 16 where it said, Mm-hmm. say there was an infinite atonement, this corruption wouldn't come put on incorruption. First judgment would have been all there was. We would have remained that way endlessly.
0: Where are you at right now? That,
1: well, so that was verse 16, but right. I'm, I'm talking uh, back to the end of verse 43. 43. Okay. So um, so where he's saying, hey, but he's got a plan to deliver us from that. So once more, verse 44, how great the holiness of our God. I think we're up to six of those now, if I ever wow. Yeah. Um for he knoweth all things there's not anything save he knows it and he comes into the world notice this notice the beauty of the simplicity of verse 45 he cometh into the world that he may save all men if they will hearken unto his voice i mean it's like yeah wow did he did, is he hiding anything here
0: no, and, and there's one of those words, hearken, which is, uh, you know, one of those words like belief or, um, you know, it, that doesn't just mean I, I – Go to the Lord and say the sinner's prayer hearkening you know means all kinds of things but. yeah
1: yeah but and, and but and none of those are mysteries either though and that's the that's right. the beauty of it right and, and we don't we don't need to we're not even justified in making it overly complex he starts to define what that means look, I think it, in the next couple of verses. You're not
0: skip it yeah 46 is just this is uh go ahead read no go ahead. <laughs> he he suffereth the pains of all men The pains of every living creature, both men, women, children, which belong to the family of Adam, he suffereth this, that the resurrection might pass upon all men, that all might stand before him at the great and judgment day. Mm. So... He became flesh and to go through everything that each one of us is going to. He wasn't spared. I mean, God no. didn't put him down here and give him a magic bubble to, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah,
1: not he, feel any pain. No, he felt know, it all, everything. He went
0: through everything so that the resurrection might pass upon all men. So when he died and rose again, that means every one of us is going to have that spirit and that flesh or the elements will be joined together again, immortal, unable to die again, um and stand to be judged that's right. that's the the first death will not have um will not affect us we will be resurrected
1: exactly and that's by the definition which exactly and so this is that first half of the definition of that word redemption as well he suffered the pain of every creature every living human so that we could stand before him at judgment you know that was that was for the first thing so that there could even be a judgment and so when you talked about Harkin, it's interesting because you know, here I think harkin is defined, it's defined later in scripture in, in many ways, but it's not complex. Um, it's it's hey, will your heart turn to God or will it not? And if it'll turn to God, these are the things I ask. You know, I ask you to have have faith, you know, be determined to do my will. I ask you to to turn from sin. I, I ask you to make a covenant, and that covenant we find comes through you know, baptism and, and receive the Holy Ghost. And then you endure to the end. And, and that manna that was found in the wilderness for these people for 40 years is the word of God. He, he made sure that they weren't confused that the thing that they were to live by was the Word of God guiding them every day. Mm-hmm. And if they did, they came to the water at the end. Where supplicate. The, yeah, supplicate, exactly. Beg each
0: day to be delivered from temptation. Yeah, yeah. As Ed pointed out, understand your nature is to wander. You're prone to wander, and so you have to have a daily walk, a daily continuance with him. Ordering your life around him, you know, seeking company of people that are righteous to help bolster your, you know, iron sharpened iron, all of these things. All of know, those that things. That we've been talking about. Exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: And it's like, and it's and it's not more complex than that. It's because Satan wants to divide us from all those things, you know, and, and he does a good job. Mm-hmm. But, but notice 48 and 49. Here he talks about what it means to hearken. And this isn't the only thing, but it, it captures quite a bit. Well, yeah. 48. He commands all men that they must repent. Now, right there, stopping there, what does that mean? Because that gets worn out. Repentance is the change of heart. He commands us that our hearts turn to God, and we we desire him. And if we desire that we're baptized in his name, having perfect faith in the Holy One of Israel, or we can't be saved in the kingdom
0: of God. This this is important for anyone out there that's not... The scriptures say that the first fruit of repentance is baptism. So if you say, well, I'm a good person, you know, I prayed to the Lord and told him that I wanted to follow him. Well, the first thing you're going to do then, if you truly want to do that, is go be baptized. That's right. the first fruit of repentance. Yeah, so, that's the result of it. Right? Get that out of the way uh, right away. There's no arguing that. that's, yep. that's
1: uh, There's no arguing. And notice that, you, like you said, it's coupled with the change of heart. So if our hearts change, we're going to make that covenant. Because notice verse 49. If they will not repent, it doesn't say no if they won't be baptized. If they won't repent, and believe on his name and be baptized in his name and endure to the end. They must be damned. In other words, they mm-hmm. remain in their filthiness. So if they if their heart won't change and they don't want to enter into a covenant and try, then then that's it. So verse fifty, the Lord seals it. The Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has spoken it. Period. So um interesting too when you talk about hearken it, hearkening to the Lord. Going back to Nephi's psalm, you know we we. We talked about his his enemies, and we talked about how he was going to let go of his anger, and and yet the there were some verses in here, and just I just wanted to pull one of them out. Go ahead. That you know he, he there are things about enduring to the end. There are um, there are gems of wisdom that he reveals in this prayer, and it helps us to understand well what does it mean to endure to the end, because that's what we just read in verse. 48, it says, hey, if you don't have perfect faith in the Holy One of Israel, well, gosh, that means maybe if I'm not perfect, I'm not saved. Mm, compare it to 50 where it says, hey, if we aren't baptized and endure to the end, having perfect faith in the Holy One means that we're going to walk this walk like Nephi's teaching us. And, and so what does it do? What does he say? Looking back to verse 2 Nephi chapter 3, verse 51, so he says, oh, Lord, Will you redeem my soul? You know, it's beautiful because mm. he just asked this question, Lord. Will you bring me back to you? Okay. And so this and he's gonna teach us how we can how we can know we're on this path. First I
0: think that was second Nephi three fifty one. Fifty one. Wilt thou Wilt thou redeem my soul? What do you think he was? Are you gonna go into that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead.
1: yeah, no, but but let's let's talk it through. Tell me when you're ready.
0: Well, I, I wanted I just wanted to know if you're going to go on and, and just kind of hang out on that word redeem, because that was one of the words that's important for us in understanding this story, um, what that word means or what do you think he thought it meant?
1: Well, I think, I think Nephi is looking at the general definition of redeemed where it's like, Hey, will you bring me back to you? You know, that's what he's, <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. what he's wanting. Cause he's realizing the sin of our flesh is what's separating us from God. But notice what he, he says, um, He says, "Will you redeem my soul? Deliver me out of the hands of my enemies." That's that's a a prayer. That's this gift God gives us to let us know. Hey, you can ask this in prayer. Be delivered out of the hands of the things that bring you into sin, or the things that threaten your life, or destroy your peace, or afflict your soul. You know, you can pray for that. Shake at the appearance of sin. Notice fifty four. May the gates of hell be shut continually before me, because my heart is broken and my spirit is contrite. If we walk with that broken heart and contrite spirit, you know the, the gates of hell. I would imagine mean more like you know the forces of the devil, or and, and this you know the the fact that um, they can't, the devil can't uh, overwhelm you with his power uh, if you have a broken heart and contrite spirit. Um, So, sorry, sorry. (laughs) I didn't mean to cue the music yet. That's all right. You can cut that one out. So, but you know, that's where he comes to the strict road, but notice this is verse 56 and and we kind of let this part go, but it's worth mentioning. Encircle me about in the robe of thy righteousness. Make a way for my escape before my enemies. Make my path straight. Don't place a stumbling block in my way. And clear my way before me, and hedge not up my way, but the ways of my enemy. So he even prays that his enemy's ways would be hedged up, but not his own. But notice how he concludes this in verse 61. O Lord, I have trusted in you, and I will trust in you forever. I have trusted in thee, and I will trust in thee forever. I I just love that because he sums up everything by saying, you know, this is what it means to endure to the end. You are going to have enemies around you. You are going to have paths that may be crooked, but you can pray for them straight. You can pray that the Lord will make your path straight and and put a hedge in the way of your enemies. Mm -hmm. All these things are things you can do when you're enduring to the end. You can pray that God will surround you with the robe of his righteousness. You can pray, as verse 57 says, that there will be an escape from your enemies anytime you're tempted. And so he states all these things and he finally says, Lord, I've trusted you. I'm just going to keep on trusting you. And 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 when he summarizes that, <laughs> he even says, "I know that God's going to give liberally to me
0: to anyone who asks." That's and that's again being strict in the plain road. Mm-hmm. I, I've done it before. You were you came through. There's no sense changing my my mo my sure. method of operating. I'm going to keep doing. Exactly. I'm going to be strict in the plain road. I'm, I've trusted you before. I'm going to trust you
1: yeah just and that's what enduring to the end means mm-hmm. it, it isn't that somehow the path is always going to be easy and there's no more temptation it's meaning i'm going to keep trusting in you and and yeah. and and i can ask for these things i can ask for these benefits i guess is is the word what was the
0: where were we at in second so, six, which
1: yeah was? so we ended at um uh, uh, 50 so 51 through 53 talk yeah. about how where there's no law there's no punishment but notice This I want to jump down to verse 53. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said, you know, where there's no punishment, there's no condemnation. Where there's no condemnation, the mercies of the Holy One of Israel hath claim upon them because of the atonement, for they are delivered up by the power of him. For the atonement satisfies the demands of his justice upon all those who hath not the law given unto them. They are delivered from that awful monster, death and hell, and the devil... And and you know this is used for the third time, and they are restored to that God who gave them breath. So we've seen and believed in in one of the you know tenets, I guess, of the restoration is that God is merciful to like people who are maybe you know born without maybe to use any term uh, you know like the mental understanding or, or someone who is just limited in this life or, or who didn't have a chance. God in His mercy says, "Hey, His atonement." satisfies their condition too. This
0: is a this is a huge key core. Let's just yeah, let's let's do, make sit sure on the listeners road. know that um this is another great glimpse into eternal life. Yes. Those that didn't have a chance, it doesn't matter if you weren't baptized. Doesn't matter if uh you know if you didn't have a chance to know the law, and we're not talking about the law of Moses anymore, but if you didn't have a chance to know Christ, and I'm not just talking about you walked by a Walmart and there's a Bible in there, so you should have bought the Bible, and, but right, you need right. to have be nurtured and brought up and loved on and shown the way by people that you know can help disciple you. If, if you didn't have those opportunities, what does it say? You're not condemned because the atonement covers you. Right. And then we're back to Mosiah again, where it says the atonement covers all men. You drink damnation to your own soul. Yes. Well, you have to know the law in order to reject it, in order to drink damnation to your own soul. And so this says if you didn't do that, then what does it say? You are delivered. Right. And that's that's exactly what the next verse says. So, again, the— So, the... so important when we—later on, so important when we get into uh, certain sections to see if this holds up. Right. And, and so— this is one of the things where, you know, I I love
1: anyone who calls on the name of Christ, but there's there's just some things that have fallen through the cracks in under uh, of understanding in in many like evangelical circles for instance, just not to pick on one, but just to state people who say hey, if you if you don't find out about God in this life you're going to hell and that's it. Because this clearly says, "Hey, Christ, the the power of Christ's mercy was such that People who didn't know are going to have a chance, a fair chance. And we don't know how how all that happens, but but notice that even in the in the Bible, not in the inspired version, you know, First Peter 4, 6 talks about it in this way. It says, Because of this, the gospel is preached to them who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. And so, you know, this is in the context of First Peter three, where it's talking about. Jesus going to the prison house mm-hmm. and preaching to the spirits there. So I believe this scripture back to Second Nephi six saying, hey, the atonement satisfies for those who didn't have the law, they're delivered from death and hell. <sighs> and and because so they're not consigned to live in eternity away from God. So beautiful, beautiful aspect of God's
0: love and his plan right here. And they are restored. To that God who gave them breath, which right. is the Holy One of Israel. Now, right. can't read too much into this, and nor at this point do we have to get into all the intricacies, because you know God is a fair God, and just because you were on this earth and never had a chance to hear the gospel doesn't mean you get catch a break. Whereas no, I, no, but but that all has to come into play. But but for the sake of where we're at right now, we we just point out that if you didn't have the law. His atonement covers you, right?
1: And and so and, how that plan gets worked out is is for us to maybe understand in a future day. Yeah, right. I don't think we have a lot of scripture that points to that. But notice, and it's don't anyone take away from this that somehow that's the easier route. Hey, if I just don't know and I get through this life, it's better for me. No, because no, there's there's we'll see that there's yeah. suffering. And yeah, we're going to see this through scripture. But but the best way is to choose him now. This is the day to repent. This is the day to choose because otherwise it's it's rough and, and, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, verse fifty six is the contrast. But woe unto him that has the law given, yea, that hath all the commandments of God like to us, that transgresseth them and wasteth the days of his probation. For awful is his state. And now you know how many times we said, "Hey, how great is the plan of our of God? How great is His mercy?" And we saw this through these previous verses. Notice this one, verse fifty seven. You've now fallen, pray to Satan, O. Oh, the plan, the cunning plan of the evil one. So it's all switched. Everything up till now was the great plan of God, mm-hmm. and now look at the great
0: plan of the evil one. He he wants. No, no, let's let's uh, let's catch a let's let's just a break right there because I think this is a good place to pick up uh, next time. So yeah. we're um, we've been going at this for a while, and I don't want to. Yeah, this is good because we have
1: we have at least another podcast
0: to Absolutely. finish this up. But I like so far, so let's just recap, you know, uh, we're looking at this the story of salvation and we're looking at words like redemption and the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and the lake of fire, and we've discovered that uh, if you don't have the law, the atonement covers you. Um, we've discovered that there's places to learn on the other side if you don't have that. Uh, yeah, it's it, there's a merciful, merciful plan, and
1: again... It's it's yours to give up. It's yours to turn away. But that's that consequence has been described too. There's a place prepared for those who remain filthy. You
0: know? Yeah. Ed, and how many times did you count that Nephi is praising God for how awesome this plan is? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It has to be. Well, it's like six, every at least six at least times. Six. How great the plan! How yeah. great the plan!
0: Yeah. Well, very good, Corey. This is a this has been a very. Um, very enlightening i i've read through second nephi six many times i've never dissected it like this and i'd never realized how many gems there are in here and um, that have to do with um with eternal life but yeah. it's it's uh very enlightening well until next time we'll pick up at the uh things take a turn south so we there's another side there's there's another side in all things but remember we're all just here walking each other home thank you for reminding me that walking each other home until next time god bless